Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. 12 episodes in 12 days. Obviously, there's things that people can think about, obstacles that get in the way. People cancel. People show up late. People want to reschedule for the new year. Okay, fine. People get that, right? Yeah. What are the most surprising things you think that people might not realize we have to go through to get 12 episodes in 12 days done? I think that... um Because I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. I don't think people take into consideration whether we're recording one episode a day or two or three or more. Yeah, we were supposed to do three today. That we have to change outfits every time. Oh, true. To look different. Yeah. And you don't want to have like, for instance, you know, two of the identical sweatshirt in a row. Or maybe you don't want to wear the same um, hat every day in a row, right? So that is something I don't think people would realize i don't even think about that that much anymore because i don't know that people care do you think that if you wore one outfit every single day every single day that people would recognize that have we had this conversation before no i feel like i'm having deja vu okay okay so maybe i mean we've sort of talked about it like you said you would do a steve jobs thing but i don't think we've made it like the point I was about to make that same joke, though. Really? Yeah, about like wearing the same outfit every single Should day. Should I have driven you crazy and kept the thing going? And be like, we never talked about this before. <laughs> what are you talking about? We've never... No, but, but seriously, what else do you think people don't take into consideration when having 12 people in a row over to your house? Well, I know my major concern is I have to clean the apartment before every single guest. That is, that is a big thing. You don't want to embarrass yourself. Uh, Which, by the way... There's no mess in between any of these people. No, agreed. So like, I'm coming across like a real psychopath. Like no, I'm, why? Because I'm windexing. It's like I don't. I don't have OCD. Yeah. But I'm developing it because <laughs> of this podcast. I don't think people realize I mean, the dumbest thing that we've done is, and I, I think we can reveal this. I don't really care. the The dumbest thing is that today you were like, I need to get green apples for our next guest. <laughs> you think that's the dumbest? I think that's the most impressive thing. That, that was a really good I thought. I think it's a great callback. That's a great callback. And I was proud to go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and get like 30 green <laughs> apples. Listen, man, you want to make your guests feel at home. You that's know? true. Right. For Rick Ross, we got a bunch of Berlia Rosé. Yeah. And for, for the next guest, we get a bunch of green apples <laughs> in a bowl. Now, the real question is, uh, does the guest take them home or do we keep them here? Is it like you get one? <laughs> we should give them away in the newsletter. <laughs> Is there a newsletter? I don't know. Uh, did we just recently go through this, or am I having deja vu? We're going to put it out. I mean, the problem is the next newsletter would go out, like, on Christmas. What's the, are you doing something on Christmas? <laughs> Chinese in a movie. Yeah, are you... Wait, are you making deliveries? You you have to, you know, get packages to um, hey, New Jews, Jersey? Hey, Jews celebrate Christmas, too, man. <laughs> We're out here fighting the good fight. It is funny. We've turned Hanukkah, an eight-day celebration over the course of our lives into just Christmas. Yeah, just Christmas. And we all get together, we have tradition, and we give one day's worth of presents in in one day. Eight days of presents in one day. Yeah, what did I say? You said one day. You said one day of presents in one day. I think I might have said one's day. (laughs) Man, I lost it. I don't know. What were you saying? I don't know. We've been at this for nine days straight. Like... I don't. I know this isn't like the toughest job. Like we're not exactly like working in a mine. Right. I don't come home with soot every day. But that being said, if you had OCD and you worked in a mine. <laughs> but that being said, I do feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I absolutely did. I was trying to think of questions today ahead of the recording that we have to do, and and then I talked to you about like the calendar that 
we have going forward. Right, because the guy who's coming over in an hour, you thought the episode was being put out on Sunday. In fact, it's being put out tomorrow. Jeff. And standing in front of you and trying to explain <laughs> that while you just kept... This is my impersonation of Eric. I know this okay. is a very audio podcast. <laughs> you're going to tell me when the episodes are coming out. Who am I? You're, you're me. <laughs> hey, this episode comes out tomorrow. Oh, the 10th day of the podcast? Yes. Uh, but... um, No, but... Uh, and then I put the calendar back. <laughs> it was, like, much longer than that. It was very clear that you were losing your mind. Like, oh, you could okay. not compute what was happening. I think you need to work on your impression. <laughs> Eric, I've been working for nine <laughs> days straight. Today we had three people cancel... For an episode that we need for tomorrow. Well, not on Sunday. But look at God, Jeff. Here look we at are. God. <laughs> look at God. Merry Christmas. You're all getting a 10th episode. Guys, look at Blap God. We have Illmind on the podcast today. He's a producer you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of the most popular producers these days, working with J. Cole, Lil Uzi Vert, Drake, TDE. The list goes on and Russ. on and on. And he's, you know, a very interesting case in staying true to himself. He never switched up. He never sold out. And regardless of what, you know, internet message boards may have said a decade ago, he is still here, still doing him, and bigger than ever. And it was a thrill to get him up here and hear him talk his shit. Yes. So, Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode? Right after I tell people, you're listening to this podcast right now, whatever service you're listening to it on. Maybe it's Spotify, maybe it's iTunes, maybe it's Apple Podcasts, maybe it's wherever. I don't know. SoundCloud. YouTube. YouTube. CastBox. CastBox. Blapbox. BlapGod. <laughs> go go subscribe to our podcast right now so you can get more episodes just like this one. Yeah, and if, you, if you're concerned that we're going to put out daily podcasts forever... It's not happening. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this, <laughs> this ends on Christmas Eve. Because if we keep doing this forever... <laughs> We won't be here forever. Yeah, you know. Anyway, smash that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button. Smash season. Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. 0.0353 ounces, a.k.a. G-Unit. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Guitar Center Dorks, a.k.a. Stereotypes. Yo, what's good? (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it as good as you guys. (laughs) My name is Vilma. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, your third favorite podcast, The Waste of Time with the Thrill. (laughs) 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 I love that you into just like the anti yeah 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 you're just like i am ill mind <laughs> i am ill mind robotic voice yeah. ill mind it's great to see you you are a returning guest on this podcast yes. and um a lot of stuff has happened in between the first time and, and this time but most recently jeff and i were down in atlanta mm. and we got to link up with dj toomp mm. and among all the producers that he shouted out he said that he fucks with your drums and your drums heavy yes how did that feel First of all, so I saw that tweet, yeah, and I, you know, screen capped it, put it on my, you know, IG and everything. So thank you guys, but um, shout to Toomp, man. Big uh, shout. Obviously, that feels super humbling, amazing, incredible. You know, I I was one of those producers that grew up listening to him and idolizing him and like studying his sound. So yeah, I mean, obviously for him to say that is is super super humbling. But um, you know, I, I, under the same breath though, it's like I understand, right? Um, and, and not saying that in like a, an arrogant way at all. Like it feels nice to work really hard on something 
and and one thing I, I put a lot of time into is my drums. And then to be recognized for that. Yeah, and to, just to be recognized for my drums from someone who is like a master at drums and a pioneer felt really good. So that was a that was an amazing moment. You know what else is amazing? How Eric was like, so many great things have happened to you in the four years since you've been here, but the biggest one must be you getting shouted <laughs> out on our podcast. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You're For welcome. Sure. Yeah. No, that, honestly, that's one of it's No, honestly, like, you know, a, a lot of big things have happened since I think 2015 was around the time we last yeah. spoke. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my man, Joel Ortiz. We've, we've talked. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, Just not each other. recorded. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And, um, but it, it's like those little things like that, that to me are the biggest moments, you know, like the... Guys like to complimenting me on something like that, like means the world to me. So your last three years have been um, pretty incredible, and it's been this you know avalanche of of just greatness. How much of it was planned, and how much of it just was one thing happening and another and another? You know, it's it's crazy. Um, none of it, none of it is planned. None of it is planned, but. I think I think that the planning for me at least the planning sort of happens in real time where you work you work you work for you know a year two years three years five years and then you know you finally experience this like impact moment where you get like you finally get a win or a break and then from there that sort of like alters your strategy and your trajectory and so the the planning sort of happens in real time and and to me, I think it is no coincidence, not just because he's sitting here right now, but I think it is no coincidence that like when I really started to work with my current manager, Jonathan Master, shout to John, um, and my attorney, Vinny, and, and like really started to formulate this like real team that sort of obviously like helped with the trajectory of the success, you know, because... When you were going into that, did you, like when you brought John on, when you brought on Vinny, like... Did you talk about what you wanted your trajectory to be? No, not at all. It was it was literally, and I remember, it was literally John calling me Typical. and saying, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I have this thing, and I think you'd be a good fit. Do you, do you want to fuck with it? What and, was that thing? Um, what was it? it? It had to do something with like a, like a beat placement. Uh, and so I did it, and we broke bread, and it was cool. And then, like, you know, a couple of weeks go by. I get another, you know, call from John. Hey, so I got this thing, blah, blah, blah. You interested? And I'm like, sure. So that happens enough times to the point where one day I was just like, do you just want to manage me? Like, why don't you just, like, come in and, like, let's just keep working. And we we're just like, cool, bet. Had let's you had it. a manager before that? I did. So before John, my last uh, official manager was actually Shaw Money yeah. Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, shout to Shah. And, and this was a while ago. This was like from 2007 to like 2010, I want to say. Um, so from 2010 to around 14, 15 uh, was uh, me just like by myself, no manager. And isn't there a part of you where it's like, well, I don't know, I, I could do it myself. Initially, I was like, I've been doing this for a few years. I've been doing it on my own. You know, I've gotten this far. I feel like I can keep going. But I never reached a point where I told myself, I need a manager. I need to, like, build a team. It just sort of, like, happened organically. I know that's kind of cliche, but it really happened that way. Um, And from the years of 2010, when I, like, kind of stopped working with Shah, to around 2014, those four years were the years that I started to really get creative, right? So 2011, I put out my first drum kit. 
which was like super just like not a thing at all you mean like nobody else was really putting out drum kits like that there was no marketplace for drum kits so what made you do that thinking i woke up and i I thought to myself i would love to have access to jay dilla's drums or pete rock's drums or dj premier's drums and then i told myself i wonder if there's producers out there that want illmind drums right and so i was like fuck it i'll just put a drum kit out 20 bucks paypal button throw it on my blog like Five people might like it, but who cares? Like, let's just try it. And then I woke up the next morning, and there was like $2,000 in my PayPal account. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, people want this thing, this kit. So then that, like, turned into... Or it could have been the same five people just (laughs) buying them over and over It could have been. Yeah. It could have been. But I remember going into my email, and I was replying to every single person. Like, thank you so much. Here's your download link. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then so that turned into migrating into Shopify, creating a, like a real business around it and then just like discovering and finding out that it was a real like legitimate business. There's so many people who have that idea where it's like, these are my sounds and this is my circle and I'm not going to share my secrets. I'm not yeah. going to give people access to this. Like I have to own this and <clears throat> hold on to it because that's the only way that I'll succeed. What you did is the exact opposite. Exact of that. opposite. And you're exactly right. Before 2011, I'll even say 2012, prior to 2012, the entire music production culture was of that thinking. It was, these are my samples. I'm not going to sample snitch. You can't know where I sampled this. These are my drums. I EQ these. You can't have these. And that was literally the culture. And so when I decided to put a drum kit out, I literally went out on a limb and I said, you know what? Fuck all that shit. If I put this drum kit out and people buy it and then there's people that make beats that are like mine or better than mine and they might be able to like, you know, put me out of business for whatever reason, then so be it. And at the time, if you put yourself in my shoes, like that was a huge risk. You know, it was risking my reputation, um, people shitting on me saying, oh, "Oh, Illmind's corny for like putting a drum kit out. Like who does that? Um, Oh, you know, uh, everyone's going to start to sound like Illmind. Right. Blah, blah, by the blah. way, other producers could say that. They'd just be like, oh, man, you're fucking up our shit or something like that. Like, that's a potential thing. Exactly. So it was very high risk, right? Um, but it, like you said, it ended up being the opposite, um, where it, it sort of, like, created this whole new ecosystem and, and uh, you know, way of um, making money in, in the community. And so I'm, like, super proud to be able to just, like, have been able to contribute to that i'll never say that i like pioneered that but we can say it how about we say it yeah yeah i'd rather other people determine for themselves but but definitely like black kit volume one i i think pushed the culture toward the direction of sharing Mm -hmm. sounds and and i think that contributed to like the quality of the music like we hear it now you know when you look in the production credits there's usually more than one producer you know sometimes five six you know if you're kanye you have 20 yeah um, but it's become a thing, so I'm proud to Wait, be Wait, so the credits for, like, because I, I didn't realize that the credits for, um, say, like, a Kanye beat might just be, like, him just, like, taking somebody's sounds and actually, like, doing it himself. Uh, well, I think in Kanye's uh, situation, it's, it's a little different because he'll have, like, a bunch of people in a room. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a contributor to whatever he's creating, then you, essentially I think you get credit for that. But um, I'm talking more so, like, you know, you have a guy like Frank Dukes, for mm-hmm. instance, shout out to Frank, who, you know, spends hours and hours 
playing guitar, creating melody loops, you know, and I do the same thing as well. Uh, and then he'll, you know, uh, say, hey, Boy Wonder, add the drums to this. And then Boy Wonder will add the drums. And then he might send it over to Vinyls, say, yo, Vinyls, do the 808s on this. And now you have three producers on one beat. Uh, and I don't remember prior to 2012 that happening. Right. I mean, when, when you look at the from 2000 to 2012, you didn't have... Swizz Beats, produced by Swizz, Pharrell, and Just Blaze. Right. It was produced by Just Blaze. Yep. Produced by Toomp. Produced by Swizz. It was one person. And I'm not saying that's bad or good, but I just think the culture It's just a different era. It's a different era. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the song that has come across your desk and you you were surprised at looking at the paperwork? Your drums ended up on some song and you're just like, what? So I think the first time it happened was on a Bruno Mars record where I was like, oh shit. It was the, uh, and shout to the stereotypes because they, they literally went on record saying they used one of my kits for it. But it was the, um, what's that big song? It was on his last album. Uh, fuck. 24 Karat. The trappy one. Shouts to Nick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 24 Karat. Uh, so those are, those are my drums on there. Uh, they obviously layered and manipulated but there, there was definitely some black kits on there for sure. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, like this is... My like, $20 have gone... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've, they've gone far. Yeah. So, uh, and but now you see it everywhere. Like uh, any new album I listen to, I hear at least one song, at least with my sounds in it. You get a kick out of that? Totally, because I know my sounds. Yeah. Like you, you can be a producer, you could take my sounds and like manipulate the fuck out of them and use them, but like I'll know where you got them. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you can't fool me, so... <laughs> Um, where are you originally from? So I'm from Jersey. Where in Jersey? Um, so I was what born. What exit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what yeah. exit? Uh, so I was born in um, in Newark. I'm from Newark, New Jersey, uh, and born and raised in Bloomfield, which is like the town over. Okay. What did what'd you, your parents do when you were growing up? So my dad was a musician. Uh, my mom was a nurse, Filipino. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my dad was a musician. He played uh, in a band and he was. they did like weddings and New Year's Eve and stuff like that. Uh, but he also, you know, played multiple instruments. So I just remember growing up and it was just like keyboards, you know, drum sets. And he had two brothers as well that played instruments. So I just remember he would just like jam with all of his brothers. Like he'd be on guitar. One of my uncles would be on bass. Another uncle would be on drums and they would just like jam out. And that was my childhood was just like a bunch of adults like playing instruments. Well, when did you get access to the instruments? I never really did. Until probably around when I was like 13 or 14. So my dad, I remember he had this like keyboard. It was a rolling keyboard. And, and I remember he spent like $7,000 on it or something crazy. And my mom was pissed as fuck at him. Like, <laughs> you spent all this money on this keyboard. So he got this keyboard and like he never used to let me use it. Rightfully so. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an like, expensive piece. Yeah. So I remember one day he was like, he was away or whatever. And like... I was. I looked at it and I was like, "Today's the day. I'm gonna open this thing up. I'm gonna fire this thing up. I'm gonna fuck around with it." So I did, and uh, I, I remember making beats. I remember I was my first. The first beat I made on that keyboard, I was trying to sound like Swizz. It was like, "Let me make a Swizz beats type beat." Yeah, yeah, yeah. On this, uh, and so I, I did it, and I was like, I fell in love with it, and then from there it evolved to like. Um, I remember there was this video game for PlayStation called um, MTV Music Generator. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yep. 
So once I got that, it was a wrap. But do you think that you had a natural gift for melodies or... A thousand percent, for sure. Um, I th- That's pretty much where I draw my inspiration from is like sound and texture. So like growing up, it was a lot of, you know, like soul, jazz, like all the stuff my dad listened to. But then it was also like just being a kid, like playing video games, like video game music was a huge influence on me. Huge. Like... Final Fantasy 7, PlayStation, out to PlayStation, all the PlayStation games, even like, you know, the, the like 70s, 80s, like uh, movies as mm-hmm. well, like, you know, horror movies and, and sci-fi movies and stuff like that. The soundtracks, those were like a big influence on me. Um, so, yeah, like t- texture and melody was always my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I started to listen to hip hop, it was like it all came together. Do you ever, because sometimes I'll do this and I'll just like, you know dive deep into Spotify and try to find like Mario theme songs and yeah. just like listen to those 8-bit songs. Oh, I thought you were going to say like acapella versions. Of- <laughs> oh no, definitely not acapella yeah. versions. No. Do you ever listen to any of those things? Absolutely. It's genius. Absolutely. Yeah. There's this really great documentary you guys should check out on YouTube. Um, I think Red Bull did it. Okay. Um, it's about like, it's the history of video game music. And so it sheds, uh, they basically interview like all of the pioneer like Japanese composers who did all the music for like Mario and Final Fantasy and, and like the woman who created the sound effects for like Street Fighter two. Yeah. Um, they're all like OG Japanese composers and, uh, these guys are geniuses. So, um, they were influenced by Western music. So they were influenced by like American, you know, pop rock, uh, alternative music. And they just made their own versions of it. And so like that, that documentary will, documentary was like super eye-opening for me because listening to video game music growing up i was just like i always thought to my head like who's doing this music yeah like who composed like the mario uh theme song yeah because it's it's genius like it's like it's like beethoven level composition and the biggest earworm of like all time biggest but there's something about like all those soul samples obviously like you talked about but there's something to tv theme songs and video game theme songs like when dmx would jump on something or when like busta would jump on the knight rider theme song and like timbaland and magoo also did their version of it that bird 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 yeah (laughs) that gets like lost in like you know the mix but Mm -hmm. i i think there is something about that where it's like oh i can relate to that on a whole nother level that just doesn't happen anymore exactly so when you're using MTV Generator and you're starting to compose your own stuff, is there an audience of like artists that you're trying to appeal to? No, it was literally me being a kid, fucking around, making beats. Trying not to break a $7,000 keyboard. <laughs> trying not to break my, my dad's keyboard. But it evolved. It went from the PlayStation version and then I bought it. I got a PC computer and then I bought the uh, version for the PC. So I started making beats on my PC with MTV Music Generator, the PC version. Uh, and from there, I was able to like do more things where I can import MP3s and drag my own sounds. And it, like, it was like a step up. So, so in theory, you'll come home from school, sit down at your computer, and that's it. You're that's just it. there until you go to sleep. I'm there. What is your friend group like at this point? So I had a great friend group childhood. Uh, I think before the MTV Music Generator stuff, it was like my child- You had friends, and then as I soon had as, you got, the, <laughs> no, as, soon as you got the generator, then you lost them all? That's true. Well, here's what it was. So I had childhood friends from like the block, yeah. right? 
Uh, and we would be, you know, outside, like, playing sports and doing kid stuff. And those were, like, my best friends. And then when I started getting into MTV Music Generator, like, in high school and stuff, um, I got lost in that. And then I started hanging out with, you know, kids from high school. So it was, like, a lot of, like, my Filipino friends. And, like, I have an older brother, so, like, I hung out with some of his friends. And it, it was, like, a small circle of people. Um, but then kind of... Around that time, when I started to meet other people like in the industry and other producers and rappers, I started to kind of like uh, move away from the people I was hanging out with. And I started to like make new friends. And I just started to change as a person. Like my interests changed. So, yeah, I mean, you found yourself. Yeah, I found myself. Literally, yeah, exactly. Like I found myself. And so I started to meet other people. And that was kind of like the beginning of like the music journey. But you must not have had any representation as a high school, you know, uh, sitting in front of your computer producer, right? Oh, no. So it's it's just you. Maybe people, you know, other people hear your tracks. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's just for you. But how do you take that and then bring it to a bigger audience? Because this is, again... Well, to an audience at all. Yeah. This is this is before YouTube. This is before yeah. SoundCloud. This is before, like, you, you probably had to burn it onto a CD. Yep. Where are you taking it? Throw it out the window and hope that somebody catches <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I had no desire at that time. I remember I had no desire for people to rap on my shit. Not yet. Oh, it was too at, pure. <laughs> yeah, at that no, at that point at that point it was I don't really care that much. I just want to make beats and like listen to them. Right. And like that was my thing. It was let me just make beats that I want to listen to and then like burn them on C D and listen to them in the car or whatever. And that was my thing. Um, but I, I got to the point where it was like, okay, like now I want people to like rap on my shit. So the, the first thing, and I haven't really told many people this, but the first thing I did was I rapped on my own shit. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. I don't even know if John knows this. But John so says he does. I, yeah. I, John's okay, a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I made, I made, a, I made a, I don't remember telling him that. I, uh, I made a whole album of me rapping and producing my own shit, like in my room, in my mom's basement, like in the closet. You had, a, you had a microphone. I had a mic in the closet. A mixer or something. All that shit. Yeah. I had the whole shit. And I was mixing it in acid, this like old program. Uh, Who and, were you? Uh, I, that was when I, when I came up with my name, Illmind. And I didn't like care about like becoming a rapper. Yeah. It was just fun to me. Yeah. Like I was listening to like Gangstar and like Alchemist and all these guys, Mob Deep. And I'm like... I want to just like make music like them. So yeah. let me just like use my voice. Did you have to do it yourself because you had lost all your friends because you were producing? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But I, you know what? I did it myself because I didn't know, I didn't care about like how to do it for real. Mm-hmm. I just like wanted to do it in the quickest way possible. And so I just, I think those were the years where I, I, sort of adopted this habit of like immediately doing something and like learning something. Mm-hmm. So instead of like, oh, I need to record a song. I have to book studio time. It was, oh, I, I want to record a song. Let me do it in my closet and buy a microphone from Radio Shack and figure out how to fucking hook it up to the computer. And, and hope like, that the closet isn't booked. And hope the closet <laughs> isn't booked. Um, exactly. So like, I always just sort of did that. It was like, I want to do something. I need to get from A to Z. And I immediately go to this place of, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And, you know, that kind of ties in, actually. I don't mean to skip over, but that kind of ties in with the whole manager thing. Yeah. Where when I started working with John, 
and Vinny and Ranvi and my whole team, I realized that, oh, like I don't have to do everything. And when I, when I focus on the stuff that I'm like really, really good at, and there's other people that are willing to help me and believe in me, then we can become like this bigger, more powerful machine. Totally. Yeah. And was I it think, hard for you to give up that sort of like autonomy? Absolutely. At first it was for sure. It was a, it because was a, you're like, I can do it. I don't need anyone to do this because right, I yeah. can do it myself. Yeah. Why would I give it up? Yeah. Why would I give it up? Um, so I had, I had to learn that, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. But now we're, that I'm at this place where I know that and I do have people who are in place, who are willing to help and believe in the movement. Um, things have been fantastic. Back in that basement, in that closet, recording your own stuff. You're the engineer. I'm the engineer. You're the intern. I'm you're everyone. You're the artist. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> everyone. So when I, when I was in high school, I played drums. And of course, you know, I was in a garage band, right? And the name of it was? It was never officially this, but there was like a week or a couple weeks where it was catharsis. Yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a K event, or C? Uh, with, with a C. With a C. Gangster. <laughs> this, this, so um, whether my family liked it or not, when we rehearsed in the basement, they had to hear it, right? Of course. We were loud and we were obnoxious. And <laughs> when you were recording... Did you have your stuff like just pumped into your headphones? Was it a really private thing? No, I definitely got shit. Okay. For sure. My, my dad understood... Cause he's a musician. Yeah. So he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, let him do his, his, his thing. <laughs> and, and my, there were a couple nights cause I was like going all night. I was like on some nighttime oh, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point my room was upstairs, which was like right next door to my parents' room. <clears throat> and my closet was like connected to the same wall that their room was. And that's where I recorded. Oh, you so, weren't even in the, in the basement. No, at one point I was upstairs recording oh, man. upstairs. And so these are like the Dreamville sessions, but it's just <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so I remember recording my vocals in in the booth one night. It was like 11 p.m. or something, 12. And so uh, my mom, my mom, like knocks on the door, and I'm in there like in the middle of the recording, right? And she goes, "I'll do this in like a Filipino accent." So growing up, my parents called me Junior, right? Like all of my everyone called me Junior. So she knocked on. She was like, Junior, who are you yelling at? <laughs> who are you screaming at in there? And, and then my dad, I heard my dad in the background. He was like, leave him alone. He's just recording. <laughs> uh, Yo, by so the way. That, that shit was classic. I know me. it's too late, but maybe, maybe it's not too late. Uh-huh. Can you please record your mother saying that I will. And, and use it as a drop? I will. That should be I your will. drop. That'd be I'm, so great. Also, I'm going to see her on Christmas. So oh, my God. I'll bring the little mic. Junior, Wait, who are yeah. you screaming yeah. at? <laughs> is, that, is that more or less embarrassing had you had, like, say, uh, a lady friend over? <laughs> I think that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Then I would have tried to act cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mom, I'm recording my raps. Don't worry about it. So um, platinum soon, <laughs> right, babe? So, yeah. <laughs> so in in that time, in that time, how do you get your music heard, and and who's the person that can really like deliver you? Okay, the very first person outside of like my brother that I showed my actual beats to was one of my friends. Um, his name was Phil, um, and at the time he was he was a couple years older than me. He was like the neighborhood, not neighborhood, but he was like the the DJ, like any parties that our friends would go to, he would be like the cool DJ guy. Like he was, and at the time his DJ name was Philly Blunt, like mm-hmm. DJ Philly Blunt. So cool. Yeah. So cool, right? <laughs> so he was like the coolest guy ever. So yeah. um, 
he had moved to like Philly and I remember he got an apartment with a couple of roommates who were also DJs. So like in my mind, he was like doing his thing. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Moved to oh, Philly. He he's made like, it. Living a dream. He yeah. made it. He's like yeah. doing nightclubs in Philly. So uh, we kept in touch and I remember the first time I went to Philly, I went to one of his parties. We go back to his apartment. His roommates are there who also, you know, are DJs and like there's NPCs and I'm like, holy shit, this is like they have real gear and there's Pro Tools. So I play him. This is like you're at the Mix Show Summit. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> dude. It, dude, it was like next level for or me. Or like Guitar Center. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, meanwhile, I'm using like a, a Radio Shack mic. And yeah. These guys have like real gear. Yeah. So I go to my man, Phil. I go to his apartment and I start playing him beats. And like, he's like, yo, like these are dope. He's like, yo, you sound like a little baby Pete Rock. I remember he he told me I was like a baby Pete Rock. And That's I, a nice compliment. Took, yeah, I took that as a compliment. All my shit sounded like wannabe Jay did the Pete Rock. Like, yeah. that's all I wanted to be. Yeah. So, mission accomplished. <clears throat> mission accomplished, right. They were really shitty, by the way, guys. Like, they weren't <laughs> no, that, but, they weren't good. But the fact that, like, he would believe in you and be like, you know, you sound like the thing that you're trying to achieve. Exactly. It's pretty excellent. Dude, yeah. that, that, like, implanted something in my mind. I bet. For sure. I bet. So, um, so he would be the first guy that I would show stuff to. And then that kind of evolved to, like, hey, come with me to this party. I'm DJing in Philly. So, I go to the party and then, like, I meet like rappers. Like I remember I met Reef the Lost Cause, um, who was like at the time like this buzzing artist in Philly. And then he wanted beats from me. And then um a lot of a lot of the early stuff I was doing I was online already. So I was on this forum uh on undergroundhiphop.com. It was like a producer forum. U G H H. U G H H. Yep. And there was a producer forum where you upload beats. It was like kind of super early in the whole like upload your music thing. And I would upload beats on there. And from that forum, I met a bunch of people as well. So I met this guy named Slop, who was also another producer. He um, was friends with this rapper named Acrobatic, um, who at the time was signed to this label in Boston. And um, I remember he hit me up and he was like, hey, like, um, I fuck with your beats. Um, Send me some, you know, I'm working with this artist, Acrobatic. So he sent my beats to Acrobatic. Acrobatic ends up using one of my beats for a single called Rebind My Soul, that comes out. And then I remember going to the record store, Fat Beats, rest in peace, New York City. I go to Fat Beats and I see my record on the bin, Acrobatic, Rebind My Soul. There's like 10 of them. And I look on the back, it says produced by Ill Mind. Oh my God. <clears throat> so that moment right there also changed my life. Because, I bet. Because in my mind- Did you I buy was, it? I bought it, yeah. yeah. In my mind, I was like, holy shit. Like I used to come to this store to buy vinyl and now I have one of my own. I know I can do this. When you brought that vinyl home, did your parents appreciate it and did they understand? I didn't show them. Really? I didn't show them. Yeah, Not at I, all? In, in in the early years, I was like kind of secretive. Like I'm pretty sure my parents thought I was dealing drugs. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I would have random like rappers. Yeah, you talk come. about Philly Blunt and all. And yeah, 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 like you're going to go see Philly Blunt. <laughs> and like, you know, random rappers coming to the house, like coming into the room, screaming in the closet. <laughs> Leaving Wait, and then who, like who were they yelling at? Yeah, who are they yelling at? And Wait, then you, like and they would pay me too. It was just like scream therapy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it, I don't. I, my dad knew what it was. Yeah, I, my mom caught on. I yeah. think eventually, but then you know they would pay me sometimes too, like fifty bucks here, twenty bucks here. Like yo, record me. I'll give you twenty bucks an hour, and we do like three hours, and I make like sixty bucks or whatever. Um, so my parents definitely thought it was shady. So sure. <laughs> there's there's it it's it's one thing to you know, get your your beat on Acrobatics album. It's another thing to create it for an artist. Mm -hmm. 
when did you get into that phase where it wasn't just a beat that you made that you were like, no, I need to get this to this specific person and they and we will create something? So I think the first uh, experience for that for me was uh, working with Little Brother. Wow. Uh, when I when I really got to know Tay and Ninth and Pooh and them uh, and the whole Justice League, uh, it was me studying the sound and like being a huge fan of their sound and then realizing that my sound went in line with theirs. So it was, it was when I was making beats at that point, it was, okay, they had this specific beat, I have to show this to Fonte. So let me put this aside for him. So that was around the time that I was like getting more organized. It was like, let me send certain beats to certain people and not just like make a bunch of beats. Um, so, Wait, I'm sorry, how did you actually meet Fonte? Okplayer.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, you guys are both that. commenters. Yep. And so you saw like when they put up their original thing. So they put up their they put up two songs. Sp- I remember Speed and uh, fuck, it was one other one. I think the Yo Yo. And I remember they did some remix contest, right? I, for whatever you say, whatever you say. So they did a whatever you say remix contest. They put the acapella out. I flipped it, right? I made my own beat to the acapella. <laughs> I posted it up on OK Player. Uh, and I think like Questlove liked it, and like Ninth liked it. And that had to Fonte. be like crazy. Yeah. So and Crisis. Um, so those. Well, the so, crazy thing is that Questlove was Philly Blunt the entire time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, why'd you give away the reveal? Why'd you at the end? Um, so <laughs> Philly Blunt. Um, By the way, I definitely knew a kid named Philly Blunt also <laughs> at Boston. It's like every single Every kid, town has yeah, a Philly Blunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. they're always like really cool. <laughs> I wonder if every Philly Blunt's like knew each other. Or like they were like, yo, like, fuck that Philly Blunt. Yeah. The yeah. thing about the Philly Blunts are they don't smoke. They just named themselves Philly <laughs> Oh, no, mine definitely smoked. did like did? lots <laughs> of drugs. I don't think mine, mine did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just lying. But so. Your, your mom thought he was doing my that. Mom, <laughs> my mom definitely did. So uh, they ended up liking the remix. That created some buzz on OKPlayer.com, like who's Illmind, blah blah blah, and then eventually I ended up, you know, linking up with Fonte and Ninth and Crisis, and we started talking, and that's how I met Sky Zoo, and this was when like Aim Chat was like a big. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I remember at one point, like you remember how you used to like keep your Aim Chat like on like I'm away. Yeah. You were still logged in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember, <laughs> I remember like, me you know, and, secretive. So it's so funny. So I remember me and Ninth used to just like trade beats. And and I remember like every time I would come back home or get out of the studio, go back upstairs to my room, um, I would log on to AIM and I would see my hard drive and it, there would be like five new Ninth Wonder beats. Like he would just send them right into my inbox. Oh right, you didn't have the protection up. Like, you <laughs> no, just, like, it would just come. It would through. just come through. Yeah. So I, that has to be the biggest trip, by the way. It was crazy. Yeah, and I would send him shit. Um, I so I, I think at one point on one of my old PCs, I have like. Upwards of like two, three hundred ninth wonder beats, and you hadn't met him at this point, right? Uh, not in person. So you're like, we're just we, like cool. Yeah, you're like, I, I think we're friends. Yeah, like, we're like, are we friends? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, that that was like the early, the early stage. Yeah. So you're you're on the OK Player boards and you're putting your stuff out there. Obviously, like getting attention from different people probably makes you feel like, yeah, I'm I'm really making it. I'm yes. doing it. Have you gotten a check at that point to make you feel like? This could be my sole line of work. No. So what's the job that you have in the meantime? Selling beats to struggle rappers. Okay. Oh my God. I definitely <laughs> thought you were going to say selling drugs. I was I like, know, yeah. the entire drugs. time. <laughs> <laughs> selling drugs with Philly Blunt. Um, it, it was selling beats, $50 here, $100 here, fucking Western Union, going to Western Union, picking up cash, 
um, to whoever and yeah, wherever. Rap, rappers coming to the to the house and recording, and I would charge them, you know, twenty bucks an hour, like just little scraps. scraps. So if somebody from you know California asked you for a beat online and they sent you money via Western Union, you would wait for the money to come in mm-hmm. and then email them the beat. Yeah, I would go to Western Union, pick the money up, come back, get the receipt, show them. All right, I got the money. Here's your file. Man, and it was all just like MP3s. Usually. And did anybody sketchy come in through your house? You were like, you want to know no, what? Maybe this not. wasn't like a good idea. No, nothing. Thankfully not. Yeah, I mean there were, you know, ones that I you know ended up not being like thrilled to work with. Yeah, sure, because they were hard to deal with. But yeah. for the most part, it was it was a cool. And yeah. this is before type beats, right? But but yeah. your sound was clearly in this this one realm, right? Yes, yes. Was everybody looking for that same sound? They were like, oh, a lot of people were. A lot of people were at at that point. It was like you know I want to I want that soulful boom bap or you know hardcore gangster type shit, New York shit. You yeah. know what I mean. I mean Whatever you were on the was. OK Player boards, <laughs> so like you know I feel like there's a a very specific clientele. Exactly. They weren't exactly. like you want to know what I do want that Final Fantasy stuff, dude. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, there was there was a, a for sure a demand for it. Yeah. When do you first meet someone like Sky Zoo? So this was on AIM chat again. Yeah. Um, I, I was on AIM chat and then Crisis, shout out to Crisis, he, he's part of uh, Ninth Wonders Camp. Yep. He he hit me on AIM and he's like, yo, do you have any beats? Um, I'm working with this artist, Sky Zoo. He's super dope. Um, so he sent me a couple of, of Sky Zoo songs. I heard him. I was like, holy shit, like this dude can rap. So I sent Crisis like two or three beats over AIM. And then... Uh, like a couple of minutes later, hit me back. He was like, "Yo, Sky Zoo's with me right now. He loves the beats. We're gonna record to one of them. Records to one of them. Sends it back like a couple hours later. I'm like, holy shit, this dude's super dope. Uh, and then me and Sky Zoo end up uh, hopping on the phone, and that's when we like really got to know each other. He was like, "Yo, your shit's dope. We should keep working." And I was like, "I'm down." Is this this is modem days? This is like you know. This, no, this was uh two. This was 2005. Okay, so yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. like. 14.4 no. dial. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, it might have been <laughs> like a little more. Sending a file takes like eight <laughs> no, days, no, and you're just like, that. all right, well, the Western Union showed up <laughs> yeah, yeah, a month yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't that. So, Damn. S- yeah. Sky Zoo's on your resume at that point. Mm-hmm. What does opening that door lead lead you to? So opening that door, working the with- Sky Zoo door. Yeah. yeah uh, working with Sky Zoo made me a better producer because it gave me an opportunity to- work with an artist who trusts me as a producer who I have a a real like working relationship with and it went from sending beats to people and then like whatever happens happens to you record them make the beat you're coaching them you're giving them suggestions you're a producer I'm producing music that's the difference between a beat maker and a producer so that was my first experience of being a producer was working with Sky Zoo because we were in the same room you know he would come over to my crib so fast forward to like 2010 I moved to Brooklyn and 2010 was when I really was like starting to just like fuck with Sky Zoo heavy it's also when you gentrified the block exactly (laughs) exactly Exactly. Man, we had a good rate too. Man. Um we had like a three bedroom fucking It was a thousand dollars for like yeah, yeah. eight fifty. Yeah, yeah. She was crazy. So we recorded there and that those were the years where I really started to like open up, record with people. I started doing pop music and, and stepping outside of hip hop. Were you afraid to give your opinion? Like at first? Um 
No. Now that I think about it, no. It kind of came natural. Yeah, where, I feel like that is like like you you are somebody who has an opinion and is, is not afraid to share that. Yeah, it's like if I know the goal is to create the best song possible, um, and if I hear something that bothers me, like I'm going to say something, right? Uh, so it just, yeah, it came natural. Yeah. Wait, before you moved into the city, how, I mean, like, you know, Newark and Bloomfield are not far from the city. How often were you coming in? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, is my apartment falling apart? <laughs> Which would have been like a very memorable episode, yeah. but like not Honestly, great for, maybe. it would have been a little bit distracting <laughs> right, right. had the ceiling fell down. Yeah. Um, so how often were you coming into the city? Pretty often. I was actually going to Philly more often. To see Philly Blunt. Yeah, Philly Blunt, Philly Blunt yeah. man. Yeah. The parties were crazy. Philly was like one of the first like... Uh, like one of the first cities that I really like built in, like really, I went to Philly more than I did the city, even did, though it's significantly further. Yeah. But did yeah. you, I mean, did you fuck with like the Neo soul sound? Were you heavy. like really? Yeah. Heavy, super heavy. Yeah. Did you like, um, Commons album? Uh, all that shit. Yeah. Love it. Love it all. People hated it, but I love it. <laughs> I, I mean, just loved again, everything Jay Dilla. You yeah. were on okplayer.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was very much that. Electric yeah, Circus, that was yeah. Name, Electric right? Circus, yeah. Dilla, OK Player, The Roots. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I'm your guy. Yeah, yeah. That was that was me. <laughs> and so, wait, what's something that like that did not fit into that box that you were very into? G Unit. I mean, this is kind of public information. Well, I mean, yes, at this point. But but I, at one point, I was signed to a management deal with G Unit. Right. Um, this was from 2006 to 2010. Yeah. Is John from G Unit? John is. He looks like he's from G Unit. <laughs> With the all over print. That's I right. Yeah, you, he, yeah. He's wearing the Reeboks. Yeah. I see, I see you. <laughs> Cuffed up jeans. Yeah. 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 Um, no, so G Unit was, G Unit was interesting. Shout to D Prosper and Shaw for like really believing in me. G Unit was like, when I started messing with them, that's when I started to like see some like significant money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like and not to put people's business out there, but I remember being handed wads of cash, sure, with no contract, right? All singles. <laughs> there were five of them. Yeah, yeah. we're like, yeah. here, yo, good job on that beat. Here yeah. you go. And I'm like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, I'm moving out of my mom's crib. Music Great. industry's dope. Yeah. yeah, this is dope. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was like a super. But what experience. what about like the G Unit like brand attracted you other than like the fact that you got to work with them? The fact that like Fifty is such a dope artist. Um, the beats that they you that they choose and they use are just so sick. Um, I'm just I'm just a huge fan of like gangster street music, and they embodied that obviously. So um, that's the stuff I want to make. So that yeah. became like a big part of my sound for like those years for sure. Did you have to change your style or your the way you moved? when you started like running in those circles. Yeah, how many bulletproof vests did you buy? <laughs> none, none. I thought I had to, but none. Um, I didn't look at it in a way where I had to change the way I move. I think that my interests shifted and the result of my interest shifting kind of impacted the way people looked at me. Um, and it was like half and half. There, there were people from the OK Player boards um, who were like super hating like on you yeah of course like oh oh, oh sell like, out yeah like yeah. he's a that was still like the sellout thing right where, yeah. like oh you're a sellout now you're not if like, you have more than one interest right yeah it's like yeah. you're not doing sample chop beats anymore and working with this person you're doing tune it now yeah. like you're fuck you um and then there were others that were like yo like congratulations this is so cool whatever 
And I remember at one point, I remember at one point, one of the, the forums, uh, it wasn't OK Player, but it was another one. Um, there was like a thread about like me being signed to G-Unit. And, and, and one kid left a comment and he was like, Ilmine's like the underground Scott Storch. Wow. Which at the time was um, offensive at the time for for from for some people. Oh, I read it as a compliment. Yeah, same, yeah that's same what same I here. that's yeah. how I read it. Yeah, yeah. But at one point, like like people don't remember, like at one point, that whole community was like shitting on people like Scott Storch. They were shitting on like mainstream people. Like two thousands was such a bizarre era because like that whole and I, I don't want to shit on the community that community at all. No, but no. like the whole movement that that like I was sort of part of where it was like underground hip-hop it was you know raucous okay player we all love that movement but like if you listen to like nelly or like you know 50 or jeezy or something like yeah. you're corny right yeah. and that was very much a real thing sure like yeah. n- maybe not to a lot of people well i think that's still going on right it's like, still I mean, going like, on right like, you'll see these kids who remember like the soundcloud wars of like last year right <laughs> where it's just like like that that long ago i know like in this like era it's just like everything feels like forever ago once it's a, like a month right but when like when Lil Pump and J. Cole sat down together and it was just like, oh my God, finally, yeah, like yeah. these two vastly different departments right, right. of our world have like coalesced. I just don't <laughs> think it's as bad as it was. Yeah. Like from 2000 to 2010, that was a bizarre decade because it was, it was from my perspective, it was bad, you know, especially like being a creative. Yeah. Like people were just so judgmental. Yeah. Like, were you somebody who like searched your own name? I did. Yeah. I did. Not out of like being a fucking... No, narcissist. Uh, but, narcissist I mean, right. but, but I was curious. Yeah. Uh, I w- became curious about what people said. And totally. Where people might be talking about me. Yeah. And like you find some crazy stuff, man. Like people were really hardcore about the whole don't sell out. You know, you work with this person. You're corny, blah, blah, blah. And like I never gave a fuck about any of that stuff. Good for but you. But also it's yeah. a very unsustainable thing. It's like you can only work with three artists. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like wh- Scott Storch has to play keyboards yeah. in like the roots forever. Yeah. Like I'm the underground Scott Storch. To me, that's a compliment. But to you, you you think that's offensive. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, no. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what are you thinking? So. Who in G-Unit? Um, that maybe like a G Unit affiliate or or somebody like not Fifty, not Yayo, not Banks. Who around there did you really attach yourself to? And you're just like, man, I never thought that I would be around this person. Probably like the behind the scenes guys, like yeah. D Prosper. Mm-hmm. I became really close with um, D Prosper. Was the he was the A and R at G Unit who found me. Um, he reached out to me on MySpace, and uh, me and him got really close. And I remember. Um, when D Prosper put me onto J Electronica, this was 2009, 2008. Wow. And he was like, yeah, I'm working with this dude, J Electronica. He's super dope. And he's playing me his music. And like, I was like, yeah, let's work, whatever. But he put me onto so much music. And, um, I, he was D Prosper and Shaw Money were in my, and this is my opinion. Um, but I, I want someone to like really look this, this up and like confirm, but I'm pretty sure D Prosper and Shaw Money and I'll throw G-Unit and 50 in there, too. I'm pretty sure they were some of the first guys to give upcoming producers a chance to produce records on a major platform. Because mm. before G-Unit, when you look at production credits, it was pretty much like established producers. It was yeah. Swizz. It was Pharrell. It was, you know, um, Buck Wild. It was, you know, Rock... Uh, 
um, just a bunch of people. Yeah. You couldn't, if you were a new producer, like you weren't getting a major placement, you know? So you had guys like me, Jake One, DJ Khalil, um, The Business, uh, you know, all of us kind of got, we got a shot, we got a chance. And it was through G Unit and some plaques and and a couple of plaques. Yeah, yeah. That G Unit run was like monumental and and really was like everything in music. You adapted your sound. What are some of the things that you really like brought to the table for that that run? I think it was more more of like my version of what they were already doing. Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of like studying their music and the early G Unit stuff and like doing my version of it. Um, but but it, it came pretty natural because I was just genuinely a fan of the music first, um, and then. But did you start playing like different keyboards? Were you for sure, yeah. yeah. I I had a that was around the time where I shifted to like software, mm-hmm. so um, I had more sounds, more 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 tools. Um, so yeah, that allowed for me to just like go hardcore with the G. I I probably have at this point, dude, like G unit type beats. Yeah, I mm-hmm. probably have like five or six thousand on it, a hard drive somewhere. Is it? almost time to bring them back out i mean we could we could <laughs> unload that clip anytime yeah, right john <laughs> find, let's find an artist uh, but i feel like that like i'll the, rap on that shit in my yeah. closet yeah, yes. yeah 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 finally yeah finally yeah. Yeah. um so the next thing that happens for you i think is is the kanye stuff mm-hmm. how do you get on kanye's radar how do you because I, I feel like kanye makes that decision <laughs> yeah you know like it's not like somebody's just like hey here's this guy or whatever exactly so <clears throat> so i'll give you the timeline so 2010 was the year that I moved to Brooklyn. And that's also the same year that I started to like experiment my sound. It was like post G unit, post, you know, soulful boom bap, okay player stuff. And I was like, okay, where do you want to go creatively? That was also around the time where music was a little weird too, because that was like when Drake just like started to gain heat. Uh, And like, yeah, it was just. But there right. were also like a lot of like internet rappers who were coming. A lot up, of like, yeah, it was the blog era. It yep. was like, and you paid attention to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Wiz, fucking Wale, fucking Currency. That whole movement was like my shit. You're naming yeah. the Cuddy. entire Double XL freshman yeah. cover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Asher Roth. Yeah. Dude, Wale. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> exactly. So I was super into that. Uh, the whole movement, obviously Kanye. Yeah. Uh, so that was the year that I started to experiment. Um, you know, producing other types of shit like pop music, R&B and dance music. Like I was all over the place. And, but that was also the same year that I did an album with Sky Zoo called Live from the Tape Deck. We ended up doing that album. We released it through Duck Down. And so on that album, we have a feature from Rhymefest. Okay, so Rhymefest uh, did a feature on the album. When we did this song, I remember, you know, me and Rhymefest were like, talking on the phone about like the song and what we should do and whatever. So I got really close with Prime Fest. So after we did the album or sorry, around the same time we're doing that, Rhyme Fest is like, yo, I'm working on my own album. Do you have any beats? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So you want Gina beats? beats? You yeah, want, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. man? Like yeah. I got keep rock. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. all of it. <laughs> what do you, what do you need? It's like you're opening up your exactly. Code. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so like I ended up producing some stuff for his project for his music, whatever. So then we hit it off. So then fast forward to 2011-ish, like end of 2011. So like a year later, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's like, he hits me, and he was like, yo, I appreciate, you know, all the, you know, beats, whatever. Um, he's like, he's like, yo, um, I'm in the studio with Kanye. 
he's working on some shit. Do you have anything? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And this was after Power came out. So Kanye was clearly yeah. like working again. Yeah. After the Taylor Swift stuff. After yeah. all yeah. that shit. Yeah. So I sent him a bunch of beats. Um, early 2012. Uh, Do you think to yourself, let me send him stuff that, that he'll like or that I really like? I really like. Yeah. I was like, let me just send him shit that I love. Because Kanye's creative. Um, he'll hear shit that I don't hear. So I don't want to send him like Kanye type beats. I'll right. just send him the shit I love. Yeah. So then fast forward to uh, 2012. Uh, it was like two days before my birthday, August 28th. Happy birthday. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Virgo I get a, season. I get a Virgo season. <laughs> S-Z-N, baby. Has returned. Virgo season. <clears throat> um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so I get a text from Ryfest and he's like, yo, uh, uh, Kanye, Kanye loves this one beat. Hold it. I was like, of course, I got you. <laughs> so like, then, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So this timeline, this stuff really blunt my yeah. mind. Yeah. Uh, this timeline might not be exactly to the T, but it'll be close. Mm. So then um, <clears throat> I get a text, another text from Rhymefest. And he's like, yo, that beat, um, that beat that Kanye loves, uh, Raekwon just jumped on it. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Tight. Um, not Raekwon, sorry. Um, Push T. So he was like, oh, Push T just jumped on it. I was like, amazing. Push your T from Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> so after after he tells me Push jumps on it, he was like, he was like, yo, um, he was like, yo, Cuddy just did some shit to this, to, to the joint. I was like, oh man, amazing. So he's naming all these people that are jumping on it. Yo, Saha just jumped on it. And then and then another text, yo, Kanye's on this joint. Yo, how do you rep- you, do you have to like think of a different thing? Like, cool, like awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I didn't like, at one yeah. point I was just <laughs> yeah. like fuck like what do i you know so uh so then uh, in my mind i'm like this is like really happening so then i get a text from shay pope shout to shay pope yeah shay pope Pope was like yo ill what's up man i think kanye wants to use one of your beats and i was like yeah i was like yeah text about it every single feature just texted me an hour ago (laughs) and then literally i go to bed i wake up the next morning and 30 more artists (laughs) 30 more now i wake up and uh i i get an email from this woman from Def Jam. Uh, and then the email is like, hello, Illmind. Um, uh, we understand that you've produced a record or a song for uh, Kanye West. We need your publishing info. You're this, you're that, you're that. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is really happening. Yeah. Am I going to get it via Western Union or in cash? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Western Union, yeah. yeah big one. <laughs> so, uh, so at that point, uh, at that point, uh, I didn't have an, an, an attorney at that point. So uh, I ended up getting uh, referred to an attorney named Matt Middleton from Rhymefest. And I ended up using him for the for the deal. So I ended up doing this song and ended up having uh, Jeff Basker and Travis Scott actually contributed to the beat. Crazy. So they tweaked it up a little bit and uh, in the, ended up being the morning of yeah. Cruel Summer. That moment right there was like the super turning point for me because prior to that, it was Sky Zoo album. You know, coming off of this weird G Unit post phase, the 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 resurgence of like internet rap. Yeah. Um, and it was also like, oh, I just released the drum kit and I made like fifty grand that year, like in drum kit sales. It was like doing really well. So this was just like, oh shit, okay, like you're a producer, like you yeah. need to, you need to fucking do this shit. So like, you had done all your other stuff without a lawyer. W- yeah, without a lawyer. Without a lawyer, crazy. Very. I signed. I signed a really bad 
publishing deal in 2010. You hear the sigh from yeah, John. Yeah. That John and my current attorney worked really relentlessly to get me out of, uh, you know, back in 2014. So um, John is currently uh, velcroing in his bulletproof vest. Yeah, he sure yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, he sure is. It's underneath the yeah. all print sweater. Yeah. Do so you mention he's wearing an all over print? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all over print. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so proud of that. It was like, so once the Kanye thing happened, all these publishers started to you know, knock on your up, door, knock on my door, like, hey, ew, what's up? Yeah, man? who are you what screaming are you, at? You yeah, screaming yeah, at, man. Yeah. <laughs> Heard you, know? you got 2,000 beats yeah. in, your, uh, in your own hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those drum kits doing well, cool. Well, you know, yeah, let's make you more money. Yeah, so th- that was that, and like that definitely turned everything around for me for sure. And then from, from 2012, it was just like every year was more, 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 more. So <clears> the first time you hear of J. Cole to the first time you work with J. Cole. Mm-hmm. How many years is that? Oh man, uh, I got put onto J Cole through Two Dope Boys. All right, right, because I shout was out to heavy. Mecca shout out to my guys, Shake, Mecca yeah. and Shake, man. Um, Two Dope Boys put me onto so much music. Uh, so when when I heard uh, Sideline Story and like just all the shit that Cole was doing, um, I always loved his music. Uh, but then 2013, I think, was the year that uh, my man Matt, Money Making Matt, shout out to Matt, yeah, um, who used to work over at Universal Music Publishing uh, and at that time started to work with Cole. He was the one that put that into play, work with Cole. So he was like, yo, I'm working with J. Cole now. If you have any beats, send Was that over. the first time that Cole started working outside of himself? Like he had been doing everything? Mm-hmm. It sounds that? like it, yeah. yeah. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. And again, are you sending him something that you like or you think that he'll like? Yes, stuff that I like. Okay. Stuff that I like. And... What? How many songs did you send him, and and what did he end up picking from that batch? So I sent him, I sent Matt like thirty beats. It was like a big pack, uh, and he ended up using a beat that I remember when I made that beat that he picked. It was I made like five beats that day, and when I made that particular beat, it's "Love Yours." So when I made that beat, in my mind, I knew it would be a special song Mm -hmm. i just didn't know for who i didn't know like what kind of song it would be but i knew that like the feel of it would be impactful if the right person was on it like in my instinct in my mind was like nas like oh if nas jumped on this shit would be you know out of here or whatever um so i knew it would be a special beat um but i was surprised he picked that one you know because do you order it in a certain way are you like you know put that like three because you think like oh all right he'll pass yeah i do actually yeah yeah. well i used to when i was like sending beat packs out like that it was like oh one oh two oh three like i would even slide it into itunes and then do like the actual song thing yeah you know sometimes they don't go in order right exactly so yeah so do you name your songs i do so like you know just in case somebody gets like a a piece of inspiration off and they're like oh okay like the like morning like i you know yes and no because my beat titles are fucked up john knows (laughs) fucked up yeah they're like really weird like long like no 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 they they just don't (laughs) yeah they're fucked they're fucked up in a sense of like they don't make sense like they just don't make sense is it yeah, yeah just like really it's purple monkey yeah Yeah. i thought it'd be like i don't have a beat name called purple monkey not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, until you record tonight. I yeah. thought you were about to say yeah. like you know how like iPhone will be like suggested password and it's like X Q five one exclamation point. Yeah. yeah. No. That's what you should do. Yeah. No. I. These I, are all good ideas. There's yeah. no bad ideas in this <laughs> room. You don't name them like ill mind like three thousand and five. Nowadays, nowadays I still uniquely name them. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm smarter now. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. it's now it's like beat name 
parentheses BPM, mm-hmm. right? Whatever BPM it is, yep. parentheses, produced by Illmind. Yeah. So like they have all the information right there. Not yeah. MP4 but, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. MP3, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But back then it was all over the place. So you send that to him. Who gets word back to you that it's been chosen and what do you think the first time you hear it? So it was pretty straightforward. Matt hit me back and he was like, that beat, hold that beat for me. It was called The Park, actually, I remember. the na- I named the beat The Park. He was like, yo, that beat The Park, hold that. That Cole is a loves fucked it. up name. I know, right? <laughs> no, that was, a, that was yeah. one, of the, one of the normal ones. Uh, the beat after that was Wait, like... Wait, did you spell it like P-A-R-Q? The, the beat after <laughs> that was like yeah. goblin yeah. F- shit, fart, whatever. Right. That's so crazy Weird. as opposed to purple monkey. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is John's suggestion. Yeah. You're like, I would never name a thing Purple Monkey. No, just goblin shit is Goblin, goblin shit. shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, so he picked that beat, whatever. And then, um, so he's like, hold that beat for me. So then, I think it was like a couple months later. This was early 2014. Um, I'm in LA, right? I'm like coincidentally in LA. So then Matt hits me. He's like, yo, what are you up to? I was like, yo, I'm actually in LA. He was like, oh shit, bet. How long you out here? I was like, you know, a couple of days. He was like, yo, pull up to the studio. Um, Cole's out here. You know, he's working. He wants to show you the record. So I pulled up and I pulled up with my man Sky Zoo. Full circle with Sky Zoo again. So Sky was in L.A. Um, with me doing his other stuff, too. Um, and so I asked Matt, I was like, yo, is it cool if I bring Sky? He's with me. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, Cole loves his shit. So me and Sky Zoo pulled up to um, this Airbnb that Cole had. And it was on a hill, huge, huge. You walk in, huge spot, huge pool. Um, uh, there's like a you know a patio, whatever. You walk in, huge living room, you know, bunch of stuff everywhere. And then we walk to the back building, and it's like a separate studio in the back. And we're back there, and he's like, "Yo, man, I gotta play this song." He's like, "The song is special," so he plays me. It was the version where it was like the first verse and the hook. And he played it for me, and I was like, like the whole time in my mind, I was like, holy shit, like this is gonna, like, change everything. Like not just for me, but like this, I feel like this song can really like impact people. Yeah. So then after he played it, he was like telling me different ideas and like what the album's about and everything, and and we just got to build and chilled, and that was it. And then like ended up finishing the song, and that was it. When he plays you that song, which like, you know, you to that point, you'd only heard what you had done. Mm-hmm. When you hear, and this doesn't have to be specifically about him, but like when you hear someone has changed, has made changes to the thing that you put work into, is your first instinct to be like, man, like it's not the exact same as what I sent? Or is it like, wow, they, the, the changes, like how do you take changes? Um... I've always embraced them because I never like when I make a beat, I'll envision like what it could turn into, but I'll never like be super specific. So when I hear someone's voice on a beat that I make, um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like 99% always like, holy shit, like this is great. Um, so it's never like from a perspective. It's never like like a jarring thing. No, it's never jarring. Okay. It's never jarring. It used to be. Yeah. With like you know struggle rappers sending me Western Union, you're right, yeah, yeah, sending me back you know songs that I don't care about, you for know? sure, yeah. But so seven years later, when you listen to that song, what do you love about what you guys created together for the for Love Yours? Yeah, um, I I think that, and I always say this every interview that I do, I think Love Yours is and will always be 
one of the most important songs that I make because it defines, in, in my opinion, it defines the purpose of what music is supposed to do, which is you hear it and it deeply impacts you in some type of way, whether it's listening to like Beethoven and like you hear a Beethoven piece and like you cry from it or you hear, you know, some turned up shit and it just makes you feel super hype, like some type of like extreme emotion. And I think that's what Love Yours like did for a lot of people. And all the messages that start to come in like, yo, like when I heard Love Yours, like changed my life or like, yo, like I was suicidal at one point. Even that one person saying that was like, holy shit, like this actually saved someone's life. But then for that to happen over and over and over again, yo, you saved my life, saved my life. Like it was like super um, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Right. So obviously like the message it was Cole. That's all Cole's doing. Like I can't even take credit for any of that. Right. But I will say that like whatever being, being able to like make that beat and then pull that type of song out of Cole was just like something I'm super proud of and special. And for you personally, what is the best thing sonically about that song for you? Like, do you like the way that the snare hits? Do you like the way that like, you know, I think just all the elements just made sense. Like all the characters, calm characters, all, all of the the players in the movie, uh, like just the chemistry, the chemistry was there. Like it wasn't, I didn't want to overproduce it. I didn't want to use trap drums. I could have put a Nate away in there. I didn't, um, we could have did a bunch of changeups in there. We didn't do that. So I think it spoke for itself. And it was, that was, he took, Cole told me that it was one of the only beats on the album where he kept the original sequence. Wow on the beat like he didn't change he didn't rearrange anything wow well i mean he did change the name from the park so. yeah <laughs> he, did. he did do that he did do that at least it wasn't called goblin yeah yeah shit ball. no i feel like that would have been like a crazy <laughs> i, I think that song would have impacted more <laughs> yeah. if it was called goblin balls so does that in fact open up crazy doors to you <clears throat> it does it it does it um it was another one of those like kanye moments where it was like okay like oh mine is still here or coming yeah. up or whatever uh and yes yeah, so that opened up and so 20 top of 2015 was uh was when if you're reading this it's too late happens drake you know produced a song on there called you in the six which kind of had like a similar feel to love yours where like on that song if you guys hear that song like drake is basically talking about uh his parents it's the first time that he ever like talked about his mom and dad like in that deep of a level yep and so that was another like sort of like deep impactful kind of record um and i remember so i was produced by me and boy wanda and 40 did the strings on the hook and i remember when wanda hit me up about it he was like yo we got a song with drake and it's like one of his best songs like ever is it weird to go from like and i say this with all due respect of course being on the fringes of of uh the mainstream to being at the center of the mainstream How's it feel? You're saying, or? yeah. Um, it feels it's crazy. It feels like everything, and it feels like nothing at the same time. Where, right? Like, is there a difference in what you're producing? No, no. I mean, the the, the real difference right now for me is I feel like I have more of a choice. Like, I don't. I'm not bending over backwards as much as I used to. It's more so like. I get to pick and choose more stuff. Like I get to, okay, I'm excited about this particular thing. Let me put energy into that. Yeah. As opposed to let me just like shoot my shot with everyone 
and then whoever bites down i'll work with yeah right and that happens like kind of to a certain extent but like for the most part things are a lot more laser focused and i think that's like the main difference with like being on like this sort of mainstream level i guess but at the same time though I'm the kind of guy who just like always wants more. So like, I feel like I'm not shit yet. Like, I feel like I still have so much more to do. Not even when Disney cuts you a check. No, not even that. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. But, <laughs> but like, I, I just feel like I'm just getting started. Like, I just have so much more I want to do. Like, I don't have a number one Hot 100 Billboard record yet. So like, that's a goal. A multiple, you know, how, Hot 100s. How long has that been a goal for? Um, forever forever like i always just wanted to just like be at the top be able to just like be a producer and work with like the best of the best you know and I, yeah are are you not yeah I, like you yeah. were you worked with jay-z and beyonce yes yeah you worked with lil uzi vert yeah but there's always more there's always more there's always there's always going to be more yeah you know like like the 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 new artist in the year 2030 right 11 years 10 years from now we don't know who that's going to be Right, I just it Uzi Vert. I, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Speak for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uzi. yeah, But whoever that person is, like, I want to work with that person. You know, like, I, it doesn't end with Jay Z, Beyonce, Drake, Kendrick, Cole. Like, Uzi. Of course, yeah. I'm super uh, humbled. Uzi. Yeah. I'm humbled by the tenth millionth degree to have worked with these people. But I'm never, I'm never just gonna sit back and be like, I made it. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, it's. I, I'm I'm appreciative of what I've done, but I I have so much more in me. I want to do more. I want to impact more. I want I want to inject my creativity into more things, um, and that's why I do the drum kits. I have the pass the aux. I dropped an app. You know, I love yeah. about that a little bit. All the, these different things I'm doing is all fulfillment for me. Well, also, but how much of that comes from the way that your parents raised you? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume you didn't say so, but I'm going to assume that your parents were immigrants and like being the, the child yeah. of immigrants, like what is, what, what was the thinking that went into like how, how they moved and therefore how you move? Dude, you hit it right on the nose. So my parents, yes, are Im- immigrants. Uh, I was born in America. They were born in the Philippines. So like coming to America and having two children, it was, you know, the typical go to school, get a job, be American, do your thing, um, live the American dream. Uh, and so I think for me, part of it is oh, growing up, we had an amazing childhood. Like I, I'm so like humbled and blessed to have the childhood that we have had. Like we had good friends. We were spent time outside, home cooked, like fresh Filipino food every day. Like it, I'm super thankful for that. That being said, you know, I had to go against the grain with like what everyone else was doing right um being a filipino from jersey and being around those same people if you weren't in school or you didn't get a job by a certain age like it was pretty much like you're like a failure or whatever and like that was what i was for a while you you were the black sheep of yeah yeah for sure what do your what do your siblings do so my older brother i have one older brother he's an accountant right and super successful um homeowner the whole the whole nine yeah and he was always like shout out to my brother les he was always like les the, paul yeah les paul yeah yeah he was always like the guy who just like was good at everything like he was prom king he was the captain of the basketball team captain of the tennis team like straight a's all that shit 
And uh, but he had supported me throughout this whole thing. Like he was one of my biggest supporters. So I had a lot to prove. I was a younger brother. I had to live up to him. I had to live up to like my dad being a musician. Yeah, yeah. And my dad, like, he he. I don't want to say he was like a failed musician, but like he was definitely a musician that had a lot of potential that like never like really made it. Well, I mean, he reached right? the ceiling, right? He reached the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so like that kind of pressure was there. All of my friends were going to school. No one was doing music. I'm Filipino. I'm from Jersey. Like, what are the odds of, like, you doing anything with your life? And, like, I took that huge risk. And, and, like, the risk I took was, like, to never quit. It was like, you know what? Regardless of what all these people are saying, I'm just going to keep going. And, like, fuck it. If I'm 30-something and this doesn't work, like... It is what it is. Let me Would just you have actually like given up though? I I, I don't no. get that feeling from you. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like you're that type who would be like, you want to know what? It's I'm I'm thirty, I'm thirty five. Like it's time to get a nine to five. Never. Yeah. Never. I mean, like the thought of like quit. Like I look at it like not when you have a bad pub deal. Not when never. the internet has whatever they have to say about you. Like never. Yeah. I've not. You know what? It's funny because I've never learned that emotion. Now I think about it, like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what the feeling feels like of like stopping something that you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want to make music for the rest of my life and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Why would I stop? When was the first time that your parents, maybe your, your, yeah, let's say your parents. When was the first time that your parents really accepted what was happening? 2008. I was, uh, I was in scratch magazine. It was the issue with Dre on the cover. Are your parents subscribers? No, yeah, but I okay. brought the magazine yeah, yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they went to Barnes and Noble yeah, and no, they were just like... Yeah. My mom knows Dr. Dre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, does she? She does. She knows who Dr. Dre is. Oh, I, so we're going to get into that in a second. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, yeah. but her son... Not personally, Her but son she knows, knows Dr. Dre. Yeah. 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 So, so I was in that issue. It was a one-pager, Illmind. And so when I brought the magazine home... They were super proud. Did and you just think leave it a, open on the table? And yeah. you're like, no, I oh, showed them. Yeah. I was oh, like, oh, check it out. Yeah. I'm in the magazine. Were you wearing any G-Unit clothing? Uh, I may have. Yeah, I, I, I remember I wearing so. yeah. camo in the in the piece, <laughs> in the picture, but uh, which was very G-Unit of me. Yeah. Yes. Camo and, and your mom's like, yeah. why are you It was your like clothes? LRG. It was like yeah. LRG yeah. camo. Like, But was it like camo camo or was it like red and gray and No, black? it was camo camo. Okay, yeah. Your mom's like, why are your clothes screaming? I should say that. She might have been thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, so I showed them the magazine, and that was like, I th- that was the first like, oh, you're in a magazine, cool, yeah. like this could work. Um, yeah. okay, so J Cole, Jay Z, um, you know, Lin Manuel, whoever, right? Dr. Dre, you go out to Los Angeles, and you are at his studio. Mm-hmm. You spend time with Dr. Dre. Um, number one, was he wearing white Air Forces? He was. Okay. Uh, he was. So it was Dr. Dre. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He didn't send a clone. Yeah. No. <laughs> and number two, is he... This is someone who's larger than life, right? Like, is he everything you want him to be? He is. Yeah. He is. He is. He's everything I want him to be, and he's everything I thought he would be. He's like when you walk into big expectations, when you walk into a room, the first time I met him in the flesh, the first thought in my mind is I can't believe I'm looking into your eyes. Like, I can't believe you're looking at me. Right. Real. Like, like, yeah, like I can touch your face right now. Right. Yeah. Like you're (laughs) you're here. Yeah. 
You're also like Wait, really. Did, did you touch his no, face? I didn't. Yeah. No, that's a real missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're also like he's like this is not where I thought this meeting was going. Yeah, like, he's yeah. also. <laughs> can you imagine? People if I don't like, normally come in and today. just like touch my face, but he's also that's like what sets you apart. He, he's mind. Like also extremely big. Like, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah, big yeah. person. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and and it's it, it's it's very bizarre. It's bizarre. Like I've I've been around Dre probably five or six different occasions in my life so far and every single time it's like holy shit i'm around dre and that that hap- that never happens to me it only happens with him yeah um so yeah i don't know just something about him does he gift you headphones no like in like in person it's just like I- but he did gift me um his presence yeah sure he did give me his oh presence. for a second i thought you gonna be like his presence he gave me socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> socks by Dre. I wish yeah. I got socks yeah. from Dre. Yeah. So you're you're but in. But the there. first time I met him, he hated my beats. I don't know if you guys know that. I yeah. yeah. I, I do remember that. Yeah. Um. But is wait, is wait, hate the, you... is hate the proper word? Uh. He he just he didn't hate him. He just like, he didn't just like him. <laughs> he, I think he had a huge expectation. Despised them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He had a huge expectation and just didn't meet it. Well, so, how did you leave? Like, like how did you leave feeling? I let at, during. During the moment of him listening to my beats and like not nodding his head at all, yeah, I was definitely like super sad and like upset, yeah. But afterwards, we were talking and he was like giving me advice and like I immediately felt better. I felt like was the advice, was, yeah, he, don't he, don't do those beats. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was basically <laughs> saying like yeah, p- pretty much that. <laughs> but in a nutshell, he basically said like you're doing beats that sound like what I would do. He's like, or you played me beats that like you think I would like. He's like, just like do. Make your shit. Like, I want to hear your shit. Like, don't don't make beats for me that you think I would like. Like, beats that... And that's what I was doing. Like, I was making beats, like, that I think he would like. So, in subsequent returns, mm-hmm. you've played him beats again. Mm-hmm. Does your shit sound so much better it coming does. from his speakers? It does. Yeah. It does. He also plays music extremely loud. <laughs> that's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. 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 Extremely but, loud. Like, there's nobody else who has a bigger, like, system than that. Oh, God. It's crazy. I don't know what he's like on nowadays, but like when I was there last time, it was. Does he try to talk to you in the studio while the beat's playing, and you're just like, I, I don't know, man, I can't, can't hear I, like, you, physically hear you. I don't remember if he did or not. Yeah, because uh, like I said, Were you with Philly Blunts? No, I wasn't. I should have brought him with me though, because <laughs> all this is Phil's fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here right now. That's right. But um, I like when I'm in the w- studio with Dre. Like, it's still, like, a dream. Like, it's uh, I'm there, like, playing my beat really loud. And he's turning it up and, like, he's, like, looking at me and <laughs> yeah. nodding his head and speaking. And I'm just, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Like, and so it's just, it's just surreal. I don't think that feeling will ever go away with Dre. Because he's just, it's Dr. Dre, man, you know? Yeah. Living in this, this era where people don't just do one thing. You're not just a music producer you do a whole bunch of things. Um, getting into tech is an easy thing to do. What made you feel like you had something to add to this crowded field of apps? So for those who don't know, I just dropped an app called Ilman Connect. No big deal. There you go. And so w- when I thought about the app, it wasn't from an approach or perspective of like infiltrating tech. It was more so, how can I... Collect data. Yeah, well... well, And then sell it to China. To to keep it a buck, yeah. That's really what we're doing here. But I I, I asked myself, like, how can I 
connect deeper with my supporters, but in a creative way that no one else is thinking about right now. And I figured out a way to do it, right? So right now the whole talk is like click funnels and like you just said, email collection, mm-hmm. phone number collection, mass texting. You know, shout to my man Ryan Leslie, super phone was ahead of its time, still going strong. So the whole conversation right now is collect data, create your own database, and then funnel your interactions with your supporters. And so, you know, you get a 40% upwards ROI. So I'm like, all right, well, everyone's doing all that shit, right? And and I kind of went back to like 2011 with the drum kit stuff. And I'm like, I want to do something that like no one else is like really doing or thinking about right now. So I'm like thinking about all this stuff I have in place. I have a podcast. I do like I have a, a monthly club called the Illmind Platinum Club for like my hardcore Illmind fans who just want to be connected. Smash that subscribe button. Yeah, hit that hit that subscribe. And so I'm like, all right, what else can I do here? So I'm thinking, put myself, let me put myself in the consumer shoes. What do I want to see? So I'm like, what if I did an app where you can download the app, it's free. You can, and you can see everything that I'm doing in one app. So you, you open the app and you can buy drum kits, which are downloaded, which are discounted on the app, you download right on the phone. You can submit songs and beats directly to me on the phone. Um, you could uh, consume all of my inspirational content all in one place via video, via voice, all that stuff, all in one place. And... Um, you can also receive push notifications from me, which is like my favorite feature, where every morning or every week I'm sending a motivational push notification to your phone. And so that way you see the notification and you're continuing to be inspired by my content. So Wait, what, are, what are some of these like messages that you're sending? So like, um, you know, like just motivational stuff, like, like tips mm-hmm. on like mixing tips or like, Little, little things like motivation, like, yo, like, make this a great week, you know, like, uh, uh, instead of making five beats today, make six, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like small kind of things, like quirky yeah. kind of yeah. motivation. But don't like, play that beat, Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Motivation. But, but it's, it's all rooted from, like, stuff that I learned. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not, like, reading a motivational book and copying and pasting. It's like, yo, like, I fucked up here or I did this, like, try this. You yeah. know what I mean? So... I also like the idea of like maybe if you yourself were not feeling that like super motivated one morning, it's just like get up. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, listen, I'm not saying I'm like fucking Dr. Dre or anything, but like if I like found out Jay Dilla, rest in peace. Like, if Jay Dilla had a fucking app, yeah, and like I got push notifications from Dilla like every morning or every week like fuck yeah i would be hyped yeah you know what i'm saying and i can go on the app and like download his fucking drums like hell yeah so that's how i looked at it yeah i think i think what is special about you is your relationship with your like uh your supporters you know like all these people who really like look to you and and see you as an avatar for like everything that they're doing which is very dope and you can and you connect with them in real life too which i think is the dopest because we like to do that as well at live events it's like exactly it's like you can do something on stage but then when you really go you know you're outside with the people Mm mm-hmm and you're talking and having a real one-on-one, and you can touch their face exactly. and everything. That yeah. is a exactly. that is a real moment. I see touching th- people's faces. Yeah. I see that with you guys. You know, yeah. it's so funny. We're talking about this. So I was just watching. I I can't think of the name of the person, but I was watching this interview on YouTube, 
and it's the real yeah <laughs> with Cameron it's the real, yeah. right yeah yeah just Cameron yeah. 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 yeah 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 up and coming yeah. artist named yeah. Cameron yeah. yeah uh so anyway so I'm watching this interview and they're talking about he's like this guy has like 40 years experience in like branding he's wrote like he wrote like 10 number one New York Times best-selling books I feel really bad. I forgot his name, but anyway, so I really do put it in the description. Surreal. Yeah, <laughs> so it might be it's real. So he's talking about branding and the idea of the relationship between a brand and a consumer, and how there's different levels of it, right? And so there's like four or five different levels. Um, we won't go through all of them, but like the two that like really struck me was like so the first level of brand impactment is satisfaction. So you have a product or a service. And you put it out there. And the, the least thing that can happen is that someone consumes the product or service and they're satisfied. Oh, that product did exactly what it, they said it would. Cool, I'm satisfied. So the satisfaction tier is actually like the bottom tier. So then the next tier is not only are they satisfied, but they're like really like impressed. Like it, 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 it exceeded their expectation. Yeah. Enough for them to want to tell their friends. Right. So that's step two. And then there's like one more step. But then the, the, the most intense step, which is like the step that we all want to get to in terms of our relationship with our consumers and fans is empowerment, where the empowerment level is not only am I satisfied, not only do I want to uh, share with all my friends, but but if this service or product or person went away, my life would be completely different. I depend on this person all the time for empowerment for inspiration and and this this person makes me feel alive and when you have that type of connection with a consumer they're there for life and if you can manage to scale that over time that's where you have you know the j coles and the you know the it's the reels you know what I mean? And like, that's where you want to be. So like when I saw that interview, I was like, holy shit, like I'm kind of like low key, like on the way there. And I want to continue to do that. That's why like as a music producer, I know I can impact people with my beats. I like I've done it with Love Yours. I did it with Moana. I did it with this Jay Beyonce. I'm going to continue to do that. But that's why I'm going so heavy with the podcast, the drum kits, the, yep. the producer stuff, because I want to just continue to also deeply empower the people that like fuck with me on that level. Yeah. And I want to just continue to do that for those people. And I think if you look back and you think, all right, a decade ago, people were on message boards and they were saying that you were a sellout. I, I, I think the definition of a sellout is somebody who takes money and switches up. Mm-hmm. But you never switched up. You have your sound. You have that that soul, that, that same guy who, you know, uh, was making beats that that you wanted to keep Jay Dill alive, or or you know you got something from from Pete Rock, like that is in you right now, and it's in the product that you put out there on a regular basis. It just so happens that the artists who are fucking with you and jumping on those songs are at the center of culture right now, and mm-hmm. that is not selling out. That's just doing it right. Yeah, that's being part of the culture. That's being a contributor to culture, right? If anything, you know, like. And yeah, that's just kind of the space that you're in, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's just humbling to be part of it. That's, that's really, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So next up, um, I imagine that there's a lot in terms of what you're contributing to other people's projects and what other people might be contributing to your own. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you mentioned a lot of the artists that you've worked with, um, you know, the Coles, the Jay-Z's, the Beyonce's, the whoever. Uh, is anything going on? You mentioned Kendrick before. Is anything mm-hmm. going on currently with Kendrick? Yeah, so I was, um, a couple months ago, I was in L.A. So um, TDE put together like this uh, writing camp where they had, you know, some of the artists come in. They locked down a studio for a month. They had some of the producers come in, kind of similar to the Dreamville sessions, which I was also invited to. Thankfully, um, I photoshopped us into it. <laughs> did you? Yeah, oh. but like, but like I, but the, I actual, it, the golden ticket. But I, oh. it, but I did it like nine months later. Oh, yeah. shit. And I was like, oh, I got lost yeah. in the mail. And got all these people it. were just like, oh my God, like, yeah. you should have been They're there. They're like, fuck That's the so postal funny. service. Yeah. You guys like, really uh, should have been there. Honestly. No, uh, agreed, I mean, no, but yeah. it's fine. I literally yeah. would have done nothing. I'm just sitting on a couch. Right. And by the way, just real quick before you get to the TDE stuff, it is funny. So we've been in a million studio sessions, right? And we just play the wall because we enjoy, like I was telling you beforehand, the process of like watching something being built right and we just love that we're not there to like but people do like us in the studio because they like our vibe you know they like the jokes they like us like being there and it it, i don't know it's just it's wild to me to be a part of the process but not be a part of the process but you guys are also like legitimate music people i dig it i dig it thank you even though you don't make music physically like the ear you guys have these ears that like, I mean, look, I'm mean, gonna look around you. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy. Thanks, so yeah I, yeah, I see the value for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. But anyway, so the back to the TDE. TDE yeah. Game. So before I derailed it, <laughs> no, no so TDE uh, did this meetup or or this camp or whatever. And so I was there for a couple of days. Flew back to New York, and I was like, you know what, I got to be out there more. Flew back out for another few days, and it was a great experience. So like, I know that they're working on stuff. Um, I don't know anything specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really say, mm-hmm. but I know that they are working on multiple things and I've heard some stuff that sounded incredible. Um, I did a record, a couple records maybe in there that have some people on there rapping. That's exciting. That could rap. Yeah. That sound incredible. And I mean, that's, that's, that's you, what I know. You can say the title. The title is. <laughs> yeah. The title is Goblin. Purple Goblin. Poop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Goblin <poop show>. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring. <laughs> Listen, uh, congratulations on everything that you've done. Not just not just in the last three years, which have been really exciting, but honestly, like making your way from Newark, New Jersey, all the way here today and, and, and beyond, it's really, really cool to watch. No, I really appreciate you guys, man. And it's crazy because there's so many, like doing this interview with you guys, I like realized like how many different phases I've been through. Yeah. And I think, I think like that's, it's just exciting to like think about like what the future holds too. Because um, we were talking about this earlier, like the whole trajectory thing, where like you start, there's so many years that you start off like with no momentum yeah. that people don't see. Uh, but like those years are so crucial. Like if I never met Sky Zoo, I never would have worked with Rhymefest, who never would have hooked me up with Kanye, who like pretty much set up like the 2010s for me, right? Yeah. And I never would have met Sky if it wasn't for OK Player. You would have been a boom bat player. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's. You can trace it all the way back. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. I mean, like, literally, if we had you talking for uh, 30 some odd years, we could get your entire life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like all these things connect mm-hmm. and, like, everything matters. Yeah. Ill mind connects. 
Ooh. Yeah. Don't mind connect yeah. download Android and Apple available now free. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming through. Appreciate you guys, man. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real. If you want to find out more about us, I'm Eric with the curly hair. That is Jeff with the glasses, and together we are It's the Real. No apostrophe, no spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's the Real. Smash that subscribe button now. Woo! Jeff, if you want to find out more about what's going on with us, where can they go? You can always go to itstheal.com. I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. Go to our website. We've got a newsletter. We've got merch. We've got stuff to click on. We've got stuff that you can even throw money at, including your computer screen. It's the real on Twitter, and it's the real on Instagram, and it's the real on YouTube. Now is the time where we like to shout people out for being good people. Yeah. You know, for doing your job, for supporting your family, for picking up trash on the streets. Jeff, what? What? This good, is a very specific. What good Samaritan do you want to shout out? But also very big. Like I, I honestly don't know who you're speaking to. You don't think there's more than one person out there who picks up their trash, who is good to their family, who's good at their job? This is for the people who are bagging up groceries at the groceria. Yeah. This is for the people that are cutting up the plastic rings on top of the soda can. That's right, Jeff. This is for the dolphins that don't have to eat those plastic rings that have been cut off the soda can. You have the vision. Yeah. You know? I dig it. Mm Mm-hmm. Who are you shouting out, Jeff? This is for Gerald out in Omaha, Nebraska. Good American. A good, real person. That's right. Um, I want to shout out Phil, who I saw on the subway the other day. Phil was the person who said, hey, love your podcast, and then instantly stopped talking to me. That's a real That's a real interaction. This is a real interaction on the subway. I think it went by too quickly, Jeff. Slow it down. Do it again. Phil said, I love your podcast. And then when I looked up and I said, thank you, he looked away. <laughs> End of scene. <laughs> End of scene. That was it. So, you think Phil's listening right now? I hope so. (laughs) Phil, I saw you at uh, 42nd Street. You seem nice. You seem shy. And that's okay. That's you. Jeff, I want to shout out our friend Felton over at Dreamville. Again, another real person. No, that is a real person. Phil is a real person. Why are you saying it like he's not a real person? You know what? Just because you weren't there? (laughs) Phil is a real person. I swear to God. Phil, you have to prove Eric wrong because he doesn't think you're real. I want to shout out Felton from Dreamville, uh, who we saw last night, who was nice enough to drop off some sweatshirts and t-shirts for us. And I also want to shout out, because Felton was in the front seat of an Uber, and we ran up on him, and he gave... No, 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 you're explaining wrong. Felton said, hey, come meet me on the Lower East Side. Yes. We go over to the Lower East Side. He had we went to, to the block. Okay. And... We walk up to a car yes. that lowers the window, yeah. and all we hear is this dude yelling from the window, and then pass a bag through over the driver. Yeah. I heard him say, Eric. Yeah. yeah. So the driver hands me the bag. He said, thank you. I also want to shout out whoever that was in the backseat. Don't know who it was. And by the way, there might have been like four or five people in the backseat. One of the people was banging on the window and was like... So like he was being kidnapped. So yeah, so I, I either want to shout him out 
for um, overcoming that obstacle or being in It's The Real Fan. Who knows? Yeah. Shout, shouts out to him. Yeah, if you needed help, sorry we couldn't get it to you, but hopefully you hear this in whatever underground dungeon you're in. That's right, Jeff. Day number nine. Day number ten is tomorrow. Twelve days of podcast, as always, guys. Not for real, for real. For sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Brrrah.